This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, our very special Sunday mailbag edition. I am Scott Phillips. He is the straw man himself, Andrew Josiah Page. <laughs> How are you, Ram? It's a big pregnant pause, eh? <laughs> I was trying to try, I try to work out what, what uh, middle name to give you. I thought Josiah, I'd go with that. I was bracing myself. <laughs> could have been, been a lot worse. <laughs> uh, well, surprisingly, again, like the rest of this podcast, I hadn't planned that. I just thought, what would I do? It just struck me that I should give you a middle name. So I did. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I'll, I'll roll with that. <laughs> Sounds good. Hey, uh, mate, how's your weekend been? I'll let you know when it's when it's coming. You're up on. early. Uh, you're out of bed. You're doing the podcast. Actually, I, I tell you before, I did I did do two earlier than wished for starts this week. Oh. As a friend of mine had been in France for five weeks visiting oh, his family. Asked, uh, so you do you ask for the pickup. You right. know, like a lot of brownie points in an airport pickup, right? <laughs> yeah, true, true. You know. Um, anyway, when are you coming back? Tuesday. Okay, what time? Send us your flight number. Yep, sweet. Got got there to the airport. No sign of him. Can't get through. What's going on? Check the flight number. Yeah, it's landed, landed out. What's he? And it was actually, it was Wednesday. Oh, um, no. That's that's today, by the way, too, where we were recording this. Is that, is and, that, is that and, you telling me that that's what you're going to be sleepy by the end of the podcast? You've been up so I early. am not going to make it, but it's just sort of like, <laughs> dude, that was, not only did I have to do it once, I had to do it twice. How did you find out? Like, you see at the airport, how do you know? I mean, I'm trying to think about if I'm going to pick a mate up or a family member. When do you call it off and go home? Like, it's almost like he's been taken into well, immigration detention or something weird's gone on. I, I kind of can't leave, but he's not here. Do you know when you use like one of these messaging apps? So I was using Signal, but same with WhatsApp. You actually know if the message is delivered right. or not. Right, right. And it wasn't delivered. Yeah. And I called and it went straight to things. I was like, oh, I'm still in the app, but it says it's landed. Now, this is a way big tangent here, but obviously they use the same flight numbers for, for different days, right? That's yeah, so it was flight, like every day. Yeah, flight, right. yeah, whatever it was. Yep. And so I was like, no, I can see it's landed. Um, and then I just uh, actually realized when I scrolled, because he sent a, a screenshot of something else on this thing. And when I looked at the, it pinched in and Zoom was like, oh, tomorrow, you idiot. <laughs> here's, here's, here's where I'll, I'll, draw, I'll, I'll try and save this boring anecdote and make it relevant to investing. So this is at Sydney Airport. Right. And um, you've got a 15-minute public pickup at, at the International <laughs> yeah, Terminal. Fair, yeah, yeah. So I go, all right, okay. Uh, and and you know my mate's not there, and, you know, and I'm I'm just, I, and after that first fifteen minutes, like mm-hmm. it goes up a lot, right? <laughs> and so and so I I um I thought, well, I'm going to leave. I'm going to drive around and I'll come back and I'll just keep doing that because I am not paying whatever ridiculous fee you're going to ask me. So I did that, and long story short, um, they scan your number plate, so they're they're. They've worked that one out. Yeah. And it's just like, so even though I'd left, and by the way, it was half empty, the car park. <laughs> and I was saying to you before, it's like, this has got to be the better part of their business because oh, there's absolutely. no- it's, it's literally a parking lot. It's like asphalt and some paint, you know, maybe some boom gates, you know, but- yeah. And and the amount of money that you make on it, it's like all I can say is investors, it's good to be a monopoly. Like it is oh, really it? good to be a monopoly. Yeah, isn't it? We could rant about privatizations too and a whole lot of other things. We probably we'll save that for another day. But uh oh. yes, it's um it's, it's a nice thing when you're the government to sell that monopoly to somebody, uh, take the one off cash, use it for an election promise, and then make mugs like us pay every single day thereafter, right? <laughs> it's kind of like oh, so government wash hands as oh some previous government just made this decision and now we're stuck with so I I, uh, I fly to the Gold Coast for work about once a month these days, and uh, and I, I park at the at the parking area at the, at the airport. Hundred and fifty six dollars for not even for thirty six hours at the airport. Oh, it is just speaking of extortion. Now the fool's paying for it, so thank you, boss, if you're listening. Um, but but it's just it is you know and you, I, I mean I could probably get there by train and stuff, but it'd take from my place you know three hours each way. I reckon I could pay someone to piggyback me <laughs> to the airport and back. Right? There's a, there's a new gig economy idea, mate. Piggybacks <laughs> to the airport. Heard it here first, Phil. Strawman's going to branch out some diversification. I know he's in an online portal for members sharing their ideas about stocks. It's also. An airport piggyback delivery service. There you go. I like it, mate. You heard it here. I'm going to raise some seed funding for that $2 million valuation. There's something, there's straw men, there's a straw that breaks camel's back, some are piggybacking. There's something you can do with that. It I'm writes not sure. itself. I'm not sure what. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Oh, should we get on with it? 
Yeah, let's do it. All right. Hey, a question from Louis, who, who finishes by saying two questions in a non-anonymous format, maybe for the same day, maybe different days, maybe not relevant at all. Thank you, Louis. We will make them today. Uh, we won't make it anonymous because you didn't ask me to, which is great. And we're going to answer them both. He says, Dear Scott and Rant, in brackets, the two legends of the pod machine. They like it, Rant. I keep telling you, they like it. <laughs> Getting the formalities out of the way. Straw man, what is it? Says Louis. Uh, well, you actually, I, you, you, I don't know if you realize you tripped up just a moment ago. No, I didn't. I, think I, I was going to ask the question. Uh, I had Louis Chris in the back of my head. So that's why I let you think you get away with it. You're thinking, he's moving on. It's going to be okay. When I do no, that. No, no, no. When, when you were on. talking about the, the, my, my brilliant startup idea, you kind, of dis- you, you, you kind of described what Straw Man was. Well, in I, the, I, I know kind of roughly what it does, but I, just, I can't ever quite remember what specifically it is. You know, it's one, uh, let, people on a website mm-hmm. doing some, talking about stocks, I get, but like it's, I don't know how to kind of encapsulate that in like four words that, that really kind of grabs the, the sense of, you know, how, how publicly available it is or, or whether it's a real thing or, or on the internet. I, I don't know. I guess it's about investing and it feels like a, you know, a group, a, 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 a den, a, a, a collection of people. I just can't quite get the words out. Yeah, yeah. it's a private online investment. See, there you go. You're welcome, Louie. Mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. he says, thanks to you both. Many of my economic and philosophical thoughts are provoked from the pod. Our apologies. Please keep up the good work, he says. I feel like I learn something valuable each week. Hopefully these questions provoke some good discussion and we can all get some valuable learnings. Louis, you've raised the bar and that's definitely a bad idea with us. Just try and assume maybe it might be entertaining a little bit and you might not hate it. Anything from there is upside. Question one from Louis. I love this. I recently met an old sugarcane farmer, he says, through a friend. I love meeting these old blokes from the country. They seem to have a refreshing view of many things. We talked about many different things over a few jars. Portfolio design was one of them. He wasn't far from retiring and he achieved this by buying the big four bank stocks and snowballing the dividends. This has worked for him and his generation, but it did not make sense even though he advocated that I do it. When you listen to many finance commentators in Australia, many recommend having banks as part of their portfolios. How much exposure should we have to banks? He says, should we have any? And then Louis says, my research, NAB, same price as 2001, ANZ, same price as 2005. CBA, this is in brackets, Commonwealth Bank. I know you love tickers. Big outlier, 212% growth since 2005. Westpac, same price as late 2005 and six, and between four and 6% dividends. Macquarie Group, he says, not a big four, but relevant, 272% growth since 2005, a 4% dividend, and lots of growth since COVID. I know that past performance is not an indicator of future performance, but... Based on the above, there would be no value in purchasing three of those banks. Considering the time value of money, you've made no money, even when accounting for dividends. Love to hear your thoughts on this. Now, we talked about this a little bit on Friday, mate. We talked about the, the banks, where they've been, where they're going, what the future might look like. But yeah, I was just going to say, go, go to Friday's episode. Yeah. We really, we really did touch on it. Except that he does then say, how much exposure should we have to banks? And should we have any? So that's a different story because as we all know, the last, well, we've talked about it, for, for three of those five, three of the big four, the last decade, decade and a half has not been great. But that may be, the you know, an opportunity. We've looked at share price before and said, gee, it's a low, low share price. Might, might be a great time to buy. Is there, an, is there a reason to buy any or all or some or none of those banks? And if so, how much of each? Uh, it's, look, it, it, it depends. Um, <laughs> I can only speak through my own lens, and you know, I wouldn't, lens, buy, I wouldn't buy. I wouldn't buy with your own money. something. Oh, well, yeah, there you go. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just me and, and people will tell me. Know tell me why. My, tell, let, let's let's lay the case out. So I, I think it's always worth under. It's always worth doing a post mortem, not just on investments that don't work out, but investments <laughs> that do work out. Like what happened there? I think it's mm. it's interesting to understand because it provides valuable lessons for the future. If I can spot various patterns that worked in the past, maybe that's something mm. to look out for in the future. I don't know. And when you look at the banks, you banking, this is going to be really heretical to Australian ears, but <laughs> banking is a pretty tough business. Yes. And it's it's actually a pretty cyclical business. Mm-hmm. Um, we just haven't had a recession in 30-odd years, not a serious one. And, one yeah. Um, yeah. And um, we've also had this massive property 
boom. It's going to use another B word there. Um, uh, and 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 we've also so we've had massive financial deregulation. Yeah. We've had the rise of the two-income household. Mm-hmm. Like that is, I can't stress enough. I don't think that gets enough airplay. Is how significant yep. that was. Huge. Uh, in 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 what has helped the banks between the late 90s and the mid-teens mm-hmm. has been every man, woman, and child on the planet, on the in the country, leveraging up to the eyeballs and buying property. Right? Like just facts. Yeah. It's just what it, it's just like they don't don't at me on social media. That's a fact. It's what we did, right? Yeah. And you can see that in any metric you care to sort of to look at. And that, that has been and 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 there's been nothing to sort of reset things there as as you might expect during a, a recession which tends to sort of you know at least historically every sort of a seven year kind of thing we just haven't had one right yeah. so you've also had uh, oh gosh there's a whole range of different sort of structural factors but factors that i think are unlikely to be repeated or the big one of course i have to mention was the decline in interest rates yep. from mid-teen levels down to zero like so Huge. so they that you, that's hard to repeat. And we should say mid teens wasn't the historical average. It was the peak in the 1990s. But over, yeah. over, ti- over time, the average is probably closer to 5 to 7%. And over the last 30 years since the you know, early 90s, we've effectively seen a slow, consistent fall. There was a bump up, I think, around 06, 07. Um, but, but the average of the last 30 years is much, much, much lower, as we said last week, than the average of, say, the, the 10, 15, 20 years before that. If you were a bank CEO and you found a lamp and you rubbed it and a genie came out, <laughs> you would say, "I want this and I want that and I want that." And that, and that would just and and, that would be the Australian economy again. Yeah. You you yep. play the cards you're dealt and good on them, right? Yep. Like yep. they just had. It's hard to imagine other any any other set of more favourable circumstances that could happen. Mm. So for the generation that invested in those times mm. in those kinds of companies, they did insanely like insanely well. And any of the big banks, Commonwealth Bank was absolutely the standout is the star performing bank. Yeah. But you could pick all of them, right? And by the way, and, CBA and- is a star performing bank for a few reasons, but it's also not coincidental it's got the largest proportion of its business in mortgages so it, it, is it well 70, run 80 yes. percent something yeah, I, yeah. Well, I didn't think it was that high but it might be um so, is it well run yes have they done a great job with technology yes did it have the, the was it the biggest bank already with you know national coverage and and a formerly government-owned bank yes had lots of lots of advantages but when you have a housing boom and you have the greatest proportion of loans in housing of any of the big four banks it doesn't take all that much to be ahead of the pack. Now, by that much, probably not. As I said, there's other reasons, but it's a pretty yep. good starting point. So so you have this entire generation of investors who – and I don't, want to, I don't want to take anything away, right? Like mm. they they did well. I think you multi, multi-year long-term attractive compounding returns are, yeah. are earned. Like it's, it's yeah. hard to hold and not quote-unquote take profits – and there is a lot of investors that just did. I could have sold mm-hmm. at this peak and tried yeah. to time that and tried to do all that. They didn't. They bought and they held and they were wonderful companies that performed wonderfully well in wonderful conditions um, and, and, and like made like insane amounts of money. It was just, it was just incredible. Um, but as, as has been pointed out just then, over the last 10 years – I mean, it's been it's been a tale of woe. I, I, I don't have the chart that'll do total returns for me, but if you know, thirty three percent down on Westpac, seventeen percent down on on ANZ, NAB down ten percent on share prices over ten. Like you, you can blame the market for being a bit irrational short term, but that is that is a long period of time. And here's the rub, right? We still didn't have a recession in that. And by the way, the sideways action was still before COVID on that. And by the way, COVID. No one missed their mortgage price. And we've seen what's happened to property prices since. So it's sort of like nothing has gone wrong. (laughs) And yet, and yet, even in those conditions, they haven't gone ahead. So I feel as though we have have an unusual, albeit long period of time, which we now reference as normal. And that that will mean revert. And that banks in Australia will always perform as it did over that two-decade period through to, say, about 2016, 2015 or so. Mm. And I don't think that's a reasonable case. Mm. And I, I, would, I would be a very of a different mind if, if we were going to be having a chat and 
uh, these prices were much lower, yeah. where I could account for perhaps a little bit of a wobble here. And again, it's not saying that next year everything's going to fall over, and next six months we're having a recession, or the property bubble's going to burst, or anything like that. But it's just like I don't think it's an unreasonable thing for me as a long-term investor to say that we might have a recession at some mm-hmm. point over the next five to seven, ten years. Like that's just that's just probably prudent, a safe assumption to make because historically that tends to be true. And if that does happen, I'm going to think it's going to be very hard for them to grow their loan books. I'm mm. sure that they have to suffer a lot of write-downs. Uh, Westpac nearly was went out of business, I mentioned on Friday in mm-hmm. the 90s. We forget that. We forget that. We've had three massive – we've had the three biggest U.S. bank failures in history – oh, sorry – yeah, something like that. Three out of the four biggest bank failures in history in the US happened earlier this year. <laughs> it happens. Mm-hmm. And and you are in a situation with the way things are priced now that if everything goes perfectly, I might get an okay return. If 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 it doesn't, I'm not saying I will, but if it doesn't, there's a lot of downside. And, and as you know, Scott, one of my favorite words is asymmetrical. <laughs> oh, and, I just know that this, too. Not just me. And, the, <laughs> and, and here is an asymmetry that is not in your favor. Heads, mm. you lose a lot. Tails, I win a little bit. Yeah. And I'm not taking that bet. Yep. So no way for me. No way. Now, at some point, I don't know when or for what reason mm. or how, we will have a recession. The banks will have to recapitalize. We'll probably throw all this public money at them as we do. It'll be completely egregious. Uh, I'll be back in the truck up. I'll be the first one there with my wheelbarrow. Well, I also said on Friday that I always, I never do what I say I'm going to do. It's, it's, it's harder said <laughs> than done. But that is the time yeah, when yeah, you, because yeah. they're not going away, right? I'm pretty sure yeah. that Commonwealth Bank yeah. will be around for a while. Let's not have talk about Bitcoin mm. just yet, but uh, you know, I think I think I think that's a, a reasonable proposition. I mm. I want to buy it where I have very favourable asymmetry, and I've been banging on this about for years now. I actually think I'm going to a little victory lap here. I feel as though I've been vindicated over the last couple of years because it has been a, demonstrably it's been a terrible investment over the last mm. over the last five years, ten years, and I don't see it getting any better. That was a long rant. Sorry. It was a long rant. I'm going to take it from a very different perspective. So I will say, by the way, I am curious as to your thoughts because... So if you look at if you look at Westpac, for example, I just pulled it up um, on, on ComSec. It's my broker. So I'm just pulling using their numbers. So I haven't, I haven't done deep research. Um, now, one, one thing, 10 years ago, profits of about $2.20 or so from the look of it. Last year, profits of about $1.80. So those profits have fallen over that time. So it's not even a share price thing, right? It's a well, fundamental well, well, decline. Is, well, this is the other thing that I was going to say, right? So book value has gone from fourteen ninety five from the look of it in 2013 mm-hmm. to a touch over $20 today. The share price is $21.22. Now, the general, when people talk about insurers and banks, you say buy it, buy it book value of one and sell the book value of two. You know, the, mm-hmm. the idea that if you're buying the assets for what they're worth, then you get the upside from the use of those assets over time. I'm curious, I, and, and I think what I, what I wanted to draw from that example is the, the book value of Westpac's gone reasonably slowly and steadily from 15 to 20-something-ish. These are really rough numbers. They don't really matter. It's hard to do on radio or audio. Um, so there's that, right? Over that same period, as you've already talked about, the share price went from, what, 20, 32 down to 20. Mm. Now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, at least for the sake of being a devil's advocate, I don't know that I believe this, but I don't, no, I don't believe this. For the sake of being devil's advocate... The, the market has already realized what you're saying, which is the future won't look like the past. Uh, we're not going to pay, you know, we were, we were paying $30 for $50 of book value 10 years ago. Now we're paying $21 for $20 worth of book value. That adjustment's been made. From, from this point, you are getting to some degree, you know, you're paying for the assets themselves and you're getting whatever earnings yield from those assets happen to, to come, come through. The PE for Westpac, I get on the current level of earnings, which are, you know, we've just talked on Friday about the fact that rising bad debts, but you're paying 11 times earnings. I'm, I, I, aside from the very real, I think, I think small but real, you, know, you may disagree, chance of, you know, collapse or massive recapitalization. How much, how much cheaper would they need to get to be at least fair value, given their, a 10% fall in the share price, it's in trading under book value. At some mm. point, surely that becomes attractive just in and of itself. Such a great point. And that's, and that's a pretty good rule of thumb. Um, but remember that – so what, let's define things here. So what is book value? Book value is just the net asset. So we take all of our assets and mm-hmm. we, we subtract all of our liabilities. Yep. So for a bank, your loan is their asset. Yes. 
you've just and your deposit basic, is their liability. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a really messy up. Yeah, they created money out of thin air. <laughs> yeah. Fractional reserve banking works, yes. right? They put it in into the bank account of the person that mm-hmm. you bought the house from, mm-hmm. and in return. They've got a promise from you, hand on heart, I promise, I work very hard over the next 30 years and yes. I will pay you a significant part of my income. Yes. I've, I'm, so I'm providing annuity. That's, that's an asset. Mm-hmm. But it isn't. I don't want to delegitimize it. It's a total asset, right? Yeah. But that, the asset is you, is your promise. Now, and, and, we will- and, well, and, and the security for the loan. Yes, good point. Yes, uh, okay, so excellent point. Okay, so let's-, let's say, Things defined here. So I just so happen to have, I'm going to use Commonwealth Bank because they've got the strongest balance sheet. <laughs> okay. Right? So bear that in mind. Okay? Yeah, I'm using yeah. the best example here. Okay. So they've got $652 billion in mm-hmm. home loans, mm-hmm. right? There's only 25 million in the country, but anyway, that's a, that's a conversation for another day. Uh, they, they, it's a staggering number. It's yeah. a staggering number. Yeah. Um, they've got 17 million in consumer finance. So, you know, your personal loans, credit cards, these kinds of things. 165 billion, sorry, billion, 17 billion in consumer finance. 165 billion in business loans. Add it all up. They've got total group lending of 930 billion. They've got a few uh, other assets uh, lying about the place. Total assets of $1.25 trillion. It's a lot of, a lot lot of money. Of, well, it's not really money. It's got promises that people will pay them back. Once again, just, just is, right? Like, we promise we'll pay you back. Okay, cool. Um, as you say, if they don't, well, there's, there's, there's some things that we can, we can get back. Yep. They owe anyone who's got a bank account with them, mm-hmm. they owe you money. That's a liability for them. And by the way, if we all try and get our money out at once, it's not there. Correct. So anyway, I'm just, I just, it is what it is. But there's one point one eight trillion dollars. Right. So in other words, minus one from the other, you've got seventy two billion dollars mm-hmm. in in book in book value. Right. So let's just forget everything else. Forget the credit cards. Forget the personal loans. Forget the business loans. Forget the institutional lending. Any of that kind of stuff. And let's say that their home loan book value drops by twelve percent. Mm-hmm. They're insolvent. Yep. So in other words, now, again, now I'm not saying that will happen. Yeah, probably yeah. won't happen. Yeah. Okay. But when your analysis is as correct as you put faith in those mm-hmm. numbers. So don't forget plenty of companies. We had a chat recently on one of the pods where a lot of the listed investment com- uh, property yeah. companies, the REITs, have these book values of these properties like correct, uh, correct. that ain't that is not anywhere you test that in the real market my friend and mm-hmm. let's see what mm-hmm. what the real book value is now all i'm saying is is that if and i'm please be <laughs> this is a hypothetical exercise but if god forbid i don't know it doesn't seem to happen in this country but other places it does if there is a uh Fallen property values, mm-hmm. and we know that half of the people are yet to roll off from their fixed home loans. If there is uh, a decline, and there are forced sellers, uh, if there is an increase in delinquencies, and, and in fact, don't forget in the recent report just released, CBA said that their impairments had gone up by 11% as well. Mm. Uh, they had to increase provisions by 57% in anticipation of some of that. Not very low numbers, I, I, admittedly. But my contention is that I think that a value of a lot of those home loans and the assets that back them aren't as robust as may otherwise, as, as may be presented. Now, I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. But I certainly don't have much of a risk of them all being written up significantly. Right. There is a risk that they could be written down. And if that is to be written down, and they stay solvent, and I'm sure they will, and all the rest of it, well, let's for all our sake hope that that is true. <laughs> yeah, right. By the way, again- Banks yep. fail. Yep. Banks yep. do fail. I know yep. it seems shocking, but you know, let's let's hope that they do. But but all of a sudden, that that book value, that price to book ratio, mm-hmm. because it's it's like saying, "Oh, the PE is only eight. Isn't that low?" Well, not if the earnings fall. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so the P to P to B ratio, the price to book ratio, is really low yep. unless the book value falls, and that's that's my worry. So 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 let's. I guess I want to tease it out though i mean how much if you're already selling at book value are you waiting for half of book value i mean there's no i'm not doing nothing i'm not doing nothing but you're saying you're saying the back up the truck bit i'm talking about you know at what oh, point because yeah, yeah. you know, you're already selling roughly a book this by the way cba is about two times book so i, I think if, <laughs> you couldn't make me buy CBA right? your money or anyone else's money right but, but <laughs> like, westpac, is at, westpac is at roughly a book value i'm not i'm not making a case to buy it by the way at all um, I'll, yeah. I'll give my answer to, to louis question in a sec but 
I am I am still mindful that for all the backup the truck stuff, somewhere between this point and insolvency, you're gonna you're gonna in theory uh, not insolvency sorry, between one time's book and, and some some tiny percentage of book value you're gonna you're gonna say I'm backing up the truck. I'm so, just wondering how likely that is to find a, a point between those two numbers without insolvency. To your point previously about you know slow then suddenly. It doesn't get much below book value until the whole thing folds up for exactly the reasons you've talked about. So yeah, is there ever yeah. a point that, you know, uh, in, in, in actual reality, you would buy the banks or are you looking for a price that is so unlikely to ever happen because it's either going to not happen or it's going to go broke? There's not much time or room in, in between. It's such an excellent question, mate. So if my options as an investor was under the mattress in $100 notes or <laughs> yeah. CBA, yeah. I'd be having a very different look at things. Okay. I'd be, I'd be, I think I'd be more pragmatic and, on it. Right. Okay. Luckily, I invest in a world where there's 2,000 opportunities on the ASX. Yeah. And so, so it's not like I'm sitting here waiting, waiting, waiting and expecting and forecasting. I just, all I, all, it's called now casting, right? So rather than <laughs> forecasting, I'm just saying, I don't know what the future holds. Right, right, right. But I know that on the spread of possibilities, there's not really much on the upside. There's a hell of a lot on the downside. And I don't know what's going to happen with the future, but I know I ain't investing now. That's all I know. So, so the back of the truck thing is more a theoretical reality. It's never probably going to come to pass well, because the chance of getting a good enough price without, because, you know, by the time it's half book, people are talking about the possibility it goes broke. So you're going to be like, well, this is going to happen. So I'm not going to do it. And then by the time it's not going to go broke anymore, it's back to one time's book and the, the opportunity's passed. I'm, I'm just thinking, given the yeah. way you're approaching, you're not, you're not wrong, by the way, at all. I'm just, I'm just trying to tease that out and say, if the reality is you want a much cheaper price, but the only way to get that is when the bank's on the brink of insolvency. You're not the guy who's going to say, I'm going to go and play you know, Russian roulette with Westpac shares at half of book value when they might go broke next Monday. So yeah. it's probably never going to happen, I guess, is my is my thinking. Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, again, okay. I'll now cast. I won't fall. I'll now cast. Yes. And, and remember in the GFC, so you and I are old enough to remember that. And, <laughs> there was a time. And, what, and by the way, that wasn't a recession. Yeah. That was not a recession. Property prices held up insanely well. So, And yet, mm. even... Even with that being true, they all recapitalized. Yeah. They all did massive share purchase plans and they all said to shareholders, can we have some more money because we're just a little bit spread. <laughs> we've yeah, we've yeah, leveraged yeah. ourselves to the eyeball. Like it, I'm sure it's a, and, and what you will tend to see, and again, history is, doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. And what mm -hmm. you will tend to see is that, is that when things get really scary and you can, and someone's forced to blink, they will re recapitalize. And as I said, I wouldn't be surprised if government money gets, finds its way there. And it, it is this horrible position of too big to fail. And they kind of are too big to fail. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yep. And Societally, and so, they're too big to fail. Yep. So government will say, here, take all our taxpayers' money. Take your money. Take my money. Take all our listeners' money. <laughs> and here you go. <laughs> Qantas will be there going, oh, it's really great, guys. <laughs> you I should take that off the Westpac board. Yeah, oh, exactly. yeah. I recommend, I recommend this, you know. <laughs> and we'll go, oh, it's really important, you know. And it just, it's so infuriating, but it will happen. Well, it, it, I think when... When that happens and they blink and that hap and then you know that they also a bit of game theory. You know that when that happens, you don't do it in half minute. You don't. By yeah. the time you're raising money yeah, and getting yeah. bailouts, you don't. Oh, let's just let's just cover us till next month. No, you enough. go hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I I would. So again, I'm not trying to forecast yeah, it, but if yeah. we are looking at a situation where there's any material recession, banks are recapitalizing heavily, governments are providing guarantees. What's going to happen? Well, two things are going to happen. The share, pro the earnings of the of the bank are going to fall yep. for all of the obvious reasons. Yes. The market is going to um, poo the bed, mm -hmm. right? Like in a massive way, and multiples are going to get squeezed to a buggery. Mm -hmm. And yet, the bank's balance sheets themselves are going to be strengthened massively. Now, I won't forecast, but I would, if I yep. am looking at that yep. point in time, now I'm interested. Yeah, it makes sense. Now I'm interested. Nice. Uh, we're going to move on from banks, mate, because it's, we need to be a little bit quick. I've, I've asked you plenty of questions and we've talked for a long time. Um, That's I, a short version, mate. Yeah. I can go on all day <laughs> with the banks. I will simply <laughs> say a couple of things. Uh, firstly, Louis, no, you don't have to have exposure to banks. Um, you also don't have to have exposure to retailers, airlines, technology companies, miners, or anything else. So the... I was on... I, I don't, I'm sure he's not listening. It's on Ausbiz, uh, the streaming business channel with, with, a, with a fellow analyst from a different company. I can't remember who it was, so I'm actually happy about that, but you know, someone might remember it. And uh, I was saying, well, you know, someone said, oh, which lithium companies would you buy? So that's why I don't have any resource companies. You don't have to buy any resource. Why, why do you have to own resource? No, you could. I'm not saying don't. I'm just saying there's no, there's no rule 
you know, in, in pencil or pen in the investment handbook is you must own some of everything. And yeah. this particular guy said to me, well, it's a big part of the economy. You have to own it. I'm a, no, you really don't. We kind of left it there and it was just one of those weird insert, things. Insert face palm meme. Right? So, so yeah. you know, and look, if you are trying to shadow index and, and pretend you're clever by buying BHP, CBA, News Corp, CSL, Woolies, Telstra and saying, well, I, I'm going to give you roughly, you know, so, by the way, if you, if you in, match the index, then you're never going to be far from it. If you're never far from it, your clients are never going to hate you because the worst you'll do is a little bit worse than the market and that's kind of within the realm of possibility. The best you'll do is a little bit more than the market, and so you might be able to trumpet it a couple of times, but you're not going to scare the horses, and you're probably going to keep their money, and you're probably going to keep getting paid, which is a really awful thing to do, except it's uh, what most of the industry does. So uh, you don't have to have everything. Shoot me now. Even even you explaining (laughs) what I know know. so well, I just want to slap myself. So I I have said, written before, you, you are not Noah. You don't need two of everything, right? There's not there's not the way this needs to work. So, uh, do you need to own any? Uh, do do you know, should you have exposure to X industry? No, not 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 because of the rule. If it's attractive, then yeah, you should, but, yeah. but not not because it exists. So, how much exposure should we have to the banks? I don't own any. I have recommended a couple of them, but only one at a time. In an income portfolio, I manage, and it's like four or five percent of the portfolio. Compared to you know forty odd percent of the the, the market, um, and purely for income. To Andrew's point, this was not a market beating bet. It was a you know just diversified range of income producing companies bet, of which a bank was one twentieth of that. Um, do I don't any? I never recommended it to my family or friends. I've never recommended any service that I'm trying to beat the market in. This is the big four specifically, by the way. I'll get some acquiring in a second. Um, you don't need to have. You don't need to own them. I think the odds of Andrew's worst case scenario are really small, but not zero. I think if you're going to buy the banks, I would be buying the cheapest ones. They're all going to go roughly the same over time. Excuse me. Um, I'd buy the cheapest one and be done with it. If you desperately want to have exposure, I think they're better priced now than at almost any time in the last 15 years. Um, almost since the GFC to Andrew's point, doesn't mean they can't get better. Doesn't mean the share price can't fall. But if I'm buying Westpac at book value, I think I'll do okay. Do I think I'm going to beat the market doing that? No, because bank profit growth can only be a certain proportion. And we talked about on Friday about the fact they are the market. So the category of banking, of, of, of um, what do we call it? Not retail banking, but effectively, you know, it's vanilla banking, not, not hedge funds and investment banking stuff, can only grow roughly as fast as the economy, plus or minus a little bit for debt growth or decline or... You know, population growth or decline or fee. You know, I'll be even cruder, mate. Growth. It's, 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 it's property. Like, it, it's prop. That's what yeah. they do. Yeah. That's what they lend. Everything else is a rounding error. It's bricks and mortars, mum and dad houses. Right. That's what these institutions do, right. period. And, and, and they are going to grow roughly over time, I think, at probably wages, plus or minus a bit. And so you're in that same ballpark anyway. So, yes, you're right. Yeah. Um, so, do you need to know any? Do you need to own any? No. Uh, do I think you should own any? I can't tell you what to do, Louis, but I have not recommended it other than for income only. We're well, not trying to beat the market, so no. Um, Macquarie, I have recommended to our members. I think Macquarie is a very good business. It and is a very not, different beast. A yes, very now it, different. Now it also, by the way, is not. It's probably riskier in a lot of ways than the big four. Um, Babcock and Brown, the mini Macquarie, as it was called, went stone motherless broke because it made some bets it couldn't meet. And yep. so, you know, you write checks, you can't cash. Guess what happens? You, you go broke. Yep. That, so, so I, you know, Macquarie is a better quality business by a decent margin in terms of its growing, growth potential, diversification of its business geographically and industry by business line. But also, I actually honestly think, I, I, you may disagree, Matt, because I know you're pretty negative on property, but I think Macquarie is, you should be taking this with a bigger grain of salt as, as higher risk because it's making leverage bets that at one point may catch up with it. I don't think it'll happen. I wouldn't have recommended it if I thought it was going to happen. But, you know, the, the, if the banks get recapitalized, you may lose most of your money, by the way. But, mm. you know, the chance that NAB goes to exactly zero is pretty low. You know, now Lloyd's in the UK got wiped out by about 90%. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, 10% is the maximum. I'm saying it could be massive. Macquarie could like Babcock before it go broke. Um, now, if there's any Macquarie bankers listening, they're, they're, you know, yelling at the pod machine and that's fine. Um, but I just want to be really clear about that. Yeah. Should, oh okay. man! I so I just you mentioned Comsec before too, so mm-hmm. I, I don't get paid for them. In fact, this will become very apparent that I don't get paid for them <laughs> because 
I'm just lazy and I used to work there years ago and my account, I haven't moved and I pay much more brokerage than I should and I'm really not that smart. So I, I don't know I, what, uh, I signed up for I'm a Titty Waterhouse uh, account back in, I want to say 1997 or eight, uh, which was acquired by Comsec and I've been there ever since. That's how long I've right. been a Comsec customer. <laughs> I mean, the reason I don't, well, besides being lazy and not very bright, is is the fact that it's I just don't trade very often. Same, like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm a very infrequent when it actually comes to buying and selling stuff. I don't do it a lot, so it's kind of like, yeah. what's the, what's the difference? Yeah. Uh, anyway, there is uh, there is a, a tool there. So you click on portfolio. And uh, it'll give you a little pie chart of your share diversification. Right. It gives me a nice little score. And mm-hmm. it sort of says that, you know, you really want to make sure that you have this many things and exposure yeah. to this and that. And there's three, I've only got three colors in my pie chart. <laughs> <laughs> 53.1% is in IT. There you go. Right? Uh, 37% is in industrials. What does that mean? <laughs> it's all stuff and- I can't categorize anywhere else. Yeah. Oh, I've got 10% in consumer discretionary. And there you go. Now, what, now, you would look at that and go, whoa, that is <laughs> hyper concentrated. Yeah. I don't want to dox myself too much because there's no there upside in sort of revealing yeah, too much yeah. about things. But I can tell you that of that, you know, more than half of my portfolio in IT, like those companies could not be more different from one another. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they share the fact that they have technology-based products. And that's where the, that's where the beginning and end of their similar similarity lies, you know, yeah. like, that, that is, that is it. And so I would argue, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm kidding myself, but I would argue that I'm actually pretty well diversified, mm-hmm. but against these traditional things of you should have some mining, you should have some of this, you should have yeah, some exactly. of that. It says exactly. like it's, it's, it fails. In fact, I'm getting this really bad score here at the moment. Um, and it's just a nonsense. It's yeah. a nonsense. Your I'm money sure. is very precious. You work so hard for that and you've saved it up. It's a melting ice cube in terms of cash because of his six percent inflation. Like you're trying to put it somewhere for it to grow. It's like you've you've got this luxury of choice. Go where the best opportunities are. Now I would say that was really dumb if they were highly correlated in, in the sense that these all share the same macro risk factors. Okay, yep. that's that's a different story. Yep. But they don't, you know. And so you've, uh, we're, we've really flogged this horse into the dirt, but. <laughs> But uh, it's done. Yeah, it's done. <laughs> you don't need, you don't need to have it. No, I'm looking at the same of my graph. Mine's very different to yours, mate. But uh, I, of the financials I own, I own Australian Ethical, NIB, and Sol Pats, which aren't exactly your your, your grandfather's financials, right? So it's kind of like, well, you own those financials, like well, how yeah, is Sol Pats a financial? Because they can't find anywhere else to put it. Anyway, that's it's, oh, it's just just God, I hate, oh, I hate sector classifications. <laughs> I hate them. Can I tell you my favorite one of the the broker things? I, I um Charles Schwab is my US broker, and uh, mm-hmm. they give you a stock quality or stock something. I don't know, ABC mark for the stocks. I, oh. I don't even know how they come up with it. No idea. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned last week Berkshire Hathaway hit an all time high. Uh, about oh, I got I don't even know. It was nine to a month ago. Berkshire Hathaway was a C on their radar. ABC. <laughs> I think I'm not sure if it's D or not. It was a C. Now it's an A. Like, guys, waiting till now to make an A. And again, to be fair, it wasn't just my knee now, but it wasn't that long ago, I don't think. Um, it's, just, it's just bloody silly. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Let's move on to, uh, to, to Louis. Chris, so we can at least answer more than one question in the podcast today. We're getting all the time. Question two, I'm start- currently studying for my master's in accounting. And I'm looking forward to graduating next year to begin my journey in either audit or tax. How much value do you place in an auditor's statement in general purpose financial reports? That's how you can tell someone's doing an accounting degree, by the way. They're talking about general purpose financial statements. That's a, that, that's, that's a <laughs> phrase you use a lot when you do that. Uh, do, you, do you read them, he says? Looking through corporate failures, even though assurance has been provided, they still occur. So I'm writing this for my ethics lecture. Uh, Louis, you probably should be paying attention to your ethics lecture, mate, but don't, don't, don't let me be the judge. Do you think audit should be split from the big four, he asks. Looking forward to your thoughts on this. How much mm. value do you put in order statements in the zero. RAM? Do you really? Easy. Yeah, zero. Exactly zero? Well, the moment that you get something where they say the auditors will not sign off on these accounts, yep. okay, something's wrong. Yes. And the shares are probably suspended and it's too late. Right, right, right. In every single other circumstance, prove me wrong, right? Like yep. name me a situation right now on the ASX. I'm sure there's at least a handful of companies that are about to go under. I, I guess, I guess I'm making now. the point though, that the, the, the fact there is an auditor's report does matter. 
You oh, just don't, you well, that's don't, a different story. Yeah, yes. that's yeah. So yeah, so the fact that Sorry. I mean, so order, orders have just so listeners know if you don't, uh, Louis studied this, uh, but just so just so you know, orders have to or don't have to. They are paid to provide a statement or a, a, a finding. What do they call it? A um, something. Can't remember now. Lost the lost the word. Anyway, basically saying whether or not. Uh, the company's financials are appropriate and whether or not the company is fit to be considered a going concern. In other words, you can pay its bills when they fall due. Right, uh, right. And they normally will provide that unqualified or they will qualify it and say, subject to these conditions, or they will say, we're not prepared to sign off on the fact it's likely to be a going concern. So when, when you get a, an orders report in the annual reports of a, a decent quality company, um, they're just basically verifying that everything that's in the report should be accurate. Now, Louis made the point that sometimes that's been a mistake or, or just straight out wrong. Um, but, you know, the, the, to me, I just I want to make the point, mate, that not having one versus having one, the fact there oh, is an sorry. order statement saying it's a going concern is of value, right? Oh, okay. Sorry. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, get my, and, but the thing is, I mean, you don't have a choice. If you're a yeah. listed company, you have to get your – so, so right. any single company on the ASX that you look at will have an auditor's report and every single one of them will say tick. Yes, correct. Because if they didn't say tick, the company would be in suspension and we would be having a very different company. Yes. Like it's, it's not. So if, if, if it's trading as normal, um, A, it's yeah. got an auditor's report and B, the audit, auditor's report says it's fine. HIH went under. Yeah, you mentioned correct. Babcock and Brown went under. Enron. All yep. of the auditors yep. signed off on that. Yep. You know, and I'm not, this is sounding like I'm hyper cynical and maybe that's a little <laughs> bit true. Um, but but it's just sort of like, I, I as an investor, yep. when I'm doing my due diligence, right, do I yeah. ever look at, no. Yeah. Do you? I mean, I've never looked at it, right? Because it doesn't tell me anything other yeah. than you've jumped through the right hoops and come out the other side it's, okay. It, I, the pro- I'm sure that having an auditor's report required by corporations law means there are fewer failures than there would otherwise be. Agreed. And because those companies, as you say, are already suspended. And, and so there, there, is a, there is a process there. And companies know they're going to be audited. So they're less likely to do stupid, dodgy things. So the, 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 the concept... Uh, and the execution of an auditor's report is a an important pr- part of, to my mind, a, a I'll say capital W Western call it, which I don't know, I don't know what the cool kids have to call it. There's a developed world, whatever we call it now. Um, you know, US, Australia, UK, Germany. You know, th- these markets that we feel like we can trust as much as possible. The regulators and the regulations and the companies and the disclosures and you know, the auditors' reports are a really important part of that because they do. I've been in companies, public companies, where they've turned up and said, "Show me that invoice." Yep. Show me that bank account. Show me that, you know, show me the calculations of the, you know, show me the trial balance, all the stuff they're supposed to do. So having an order is really important. To your point, though, Ram, once it's done, you tick, is it there? Yes, tick, move on. I will say- on It will be there, though. It, it, correct. You don't even have to check. It's well, there. Well, yeah. 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 I, well, they can, they, you know, you, well I, if you're looking at small companies, you should be a little bit careful. They do sometimes provide qualified opinions in that auditor's report. So there are times where you should absolutely- that, now, it's not going to be this company is a fraud or this company is going broke because they don't get signed off, as you say. There will be um, you know, letters that are produced by auditors that say, we've ordered the books, they're legitimate, and we have some concerns. And that's something you absolutely should be very, very careful of. But other than that, as you say, they're there, they're there. Um, Louis, the only thing I would suggest is the, the, the uh, reputation of the auditor is something I do look at, particularly with smaller companies. I once looked at a business on the ASX whose auditor was in a residential house in the US. I literally, I literally, it was this name of, you know, um, something, you know, was it something Cheatham and Howe? Um, and, I, and I literally looked it up, Googled it, went, ah, oh, that's interesting. I'll, I'll just, that address is interesting. I looked and looked, I think it was Google Earth or whatever it was. I think that's the same one we used for the Menace Detention Center, right? Like it didn't, <laughs> wasn't the auditor there in like this some was, shack in probably. WA? This was, no, this was a different, this is an American one, but yes, same. Yeah, same red flag, idea. red flag. Yeah, and well, I mean, look, there are small audit firms and they're cheaper and, you know, not everyone's going to use the big four audit firms to do their work. And that's not necessarily wrong. There are some decent second tier audit firms. But if they're changing orders a lot, or if the order is a complete unknown, then yes, absolutely. Uh, that's something I do I do look at and I am careful of. Um, a couple of guys I work with do it, do it you know, as a, as a religion um, because it's just one of those things. Even if it's not a red flag, it's a question to ask. And you should be more cautious uh, just in general. If the order is less recognized or recognizable, just realize that maybe there's some, nothing going on or maybe there is. 
but just keep that keep that little bit you know a little bit careful a little bit close yeah you know what you know what i would say too is you'd be surprised at how much you can sniff out shenanigans Mm -hmm. um you know it's the old the old saying is what is it um profit is vanity (laughs) cash uh no what is that i'm gonna get it wrong now Revenue is vanity, profit is sanity, Sorry. cash flow cash is king. king. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and so when it comes to – and this, it's not because there's any necessarily funny buggers going on, but you can yeah. – there's a lot more discretion when it comes to sales because I can – well, when, yes. when do I record that as happening? Mm-hmm. You know, what costs do I allocate and how? What yep. reporting? You know, there's, there's legitimate reasons as to why some things could be debated. Cash is cash is cash is cash. So unless there's an outright cooking of the books, you know, you can, when you start to see a very big divergence between sort of what statutory reported figures are and uh, cash flows, Mm -hmm. you'd be surprised at the things that can be picked up. You get some really good comments on Strawman. I'm going to give them some of our members a play. It's great to have a big broad brains trust. So we've got Mm -hmm. accountants in there. And, you know, it's like, it's really just sort of the, the the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, but that's, it's a, it's something that I think anyone is capable of doing. When you sort of look at these things, you'll start, when you start to see very big disconnects there, again, not that it's Mm. something's going on, but it's a red flag. And when you start seeing generally red flags, you know, they're like cockroaches. They're, if you see one, there's more <laughs> yeah, in, in yeah. often, right? And and it's something that mm-hmm. you don't need a smoking gun to act. I think a lot of the time you can just like, look, I don't know one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I can't definitively say, but there's enough here where I can put a serious question mark over it. It's like, why am I taking this risk for? Again, I've got yeah. this luxury of choice. Yeah. Um, I do find it interesting um, I, with the, let's not go down this rabbit hole, but given everything that's been revealed recently with the, the big four auditors, I was mm-hmm. like, you know, how much trust do you need to have there? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's uh, issues. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I also find it interesting that I, I notice this in any kind of capital city that I go to. You go and you look at these big glass fortresses, the towers, and they're always the big banks and they're always the big auditors. Yeah. And, you and the think consultants, if, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if, if I was an alien yeah. coming down yeah. and it's like we were walking through ancient Egypt, you know, we yeah. would look at the biggest building and that's where the power lies, right? And our modern society is like, that's where the power lies. The financial mm-hmm. companies mm-hmm. and the auditors and that, that, that they're somehow affording the best, you know, <laughs> houses are on the on the block there and they they, humans being humans, they, you know, things get pretty tight there. And it's a little bit concerning. So I'd always say, be, be, be your own auditor as best as you can. <laughs> and uh, just, just sanity check everything. Yeah. The good thing is the auditors get to see what we don't get to see. We can't go and look for the invoices. We can't check the bank accounts. That, that's yep. stuff they do do that we, that we can't. I'm sure they'd be divorced from the big four, Louis. Yeah, they should. Um, yes. There is, there is uh, do you know what? 99% of the time, it's not necessary. The other 1% of the time, it's really important. And yep. we don't lose anything by doing it. You know, individual companies lose out because they might get, you know, it, it, even it, at the very least, there's economies of scale. If you're big, you're well-known, your brand's well-known, you get benefits of doing both. If you're less um, ethical, maybe you're, you know, <laughs> throwing money one way or the other, as we saw with uh, allegedly, allegedly, um, with some of the big consulting firms doing government work, allegedly, allegedly. Um, and I think there's, you know, there's, there's enough <laughs> there to suggest that if you give people the opportunity and the incentive, we shouldn't be surprised when people take it. And it's a really, 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 really easy thing to do simply to say, no, you can't do both because it's better for us that we remove the temptation that if it's never taken, then we don't lose anything. You as a, as a, as a, Auto firm might lose a little bit because you can't leverage those economies of scale or the brand benefit. But, you know, that's your problem, not ours. And that's okay with us as a society. We've chosen to make that decision to, you know, you can't make every dollar you would like to make because there are rules. And that's one of the rules that just makes obvious sense. Same with breaking up contractors. You shouldn't be allowed to consult to government and private enterprise for, for what it's worth. Do one or the other. Choose your, choose your boat. If you don't like 100%. it, don't do it. That's easy. Yeah. Um, yep. same, same with audit firms. Uh, should be the same, by the way, with with banks. They should have to separate out their their commercial and investment banking business and derivatives trading from their their stock. Oh my gosh, is that not the biggest no brainer ever? That's super, like, yeah, yeah, just do it. Easiest thing in the world. I'll Except call that, that bluff you know. any day. Oh, right. we, we can't do that because of it. Oh, okay, don't do it then. Don't yeah, just correct. like we'll, yeah, we'll take your banking license yeah. away. Yeah. You know, you're here to serve us. Correct. <laughs> 
They just say that. And, lo- and, and that's, the, that's lobbying, you know, for you. They, no, oh, no, no politicians changed that because they thought it was better for anybody. They changed it because I lobbied to and they gave into it rather than actually saying uh-huh. there's no reason, reason to do it here. Oh, um, man. Yes. No, I think that's... It's, I think it's that's hard to, isn't it? I, I do understand the concentration of power amongst the auditing firms because if I was the CEO of mm-hmm. an ASX 200 company... Yeah, right. And and I go, you know what? We're going to try and save a few bucks because there's this perfectly decent mid-tier firm over here. They're really Mm -hmm. good, perfectly trustworthy. Yep, yep. And we're going to save our shareholders a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. No. Because I am ne- whatever goes wrong, I am yeah, never going to get in trouble for choosing PwC. Yep. Right? I'm just I'm just not right yep. because they're the big. It's like the old saying is you never. No one got fired for hiring IBM is the, yep. is the old saying, <laughs> and it, it, it's just they are rightly or wrongly regarded as best mm. in breed, mm-hmm. and you're just going to do it because that's just what you're going to do. And even if the other people are better, more skilled, more competent, better value for money and the rest of it, the mm. moment that CBA says, actually, we're not using PwC anymore, everyone goes, whoa. That's all, that, exactly right, yes. <laughs> What's yeah. going on? Yep. And yep. so you, you kind of, but, but again, like that, that is the incredible privilege that, that you enjoy. No mm. one designed it that way, but it evolved that way, and here we are, and... You know, it's, I don't know, it's just a bit depressing. 100%, 100%. Hey, um, uh, this is a great question we got from Hugo who says, Morning, gents. I've got a few quotes to set up my question on innovation. That will hopefully get you very Sunday morning ranty, he says. It's a <laughs> we're, two-part- we're already in a ranty mood. Oh, <laughs> Bring it on. Well, truly. It's a two-part question. So, so clip in, he says. Quote number one. Quote, being too early is indistinguishable from being wrong. Quote number two. This is an oh. Andrew Page special. Very oh. slowly, then all at once. <laughs> Quote number three, it's different oh. this time. Hugo says, I work in tech and I generally invest only in ideas with a, ten, a five to 10 year time horizon. Considering iteration cycles on our days and weeks, not months and years, how do you consider stock picking outside of the picks and shovels plays in a market that is evolving at such a pace? And the second question is, how do you quantify the network effects of mega incumbents when comparing them to their younger competitors? Really, really great questions, Hugo. So Ram, you first, mate. How do you, you you're, you've just talked about the fact you're 51.3, I think you said, percent in technology. Um, <laughs> how, how, do you, how do you approach that? Uh, given, I, I completely agree. Um, David Gardner, the Motley Fool's co-founder, has said, you know, 200 years ago, um, if you were born in, you know, next to the Nile River in Egypt, you were never going to move. Your grandfather did the same job your father did, the same job you did. You'll do the same. Your son will do the same and his son will do the same. It was a used male example because it was that, that sort of environment back then, that society. You know, you, you, change was measured in, in multiple lifetimes. You know, just, and, and there was the Industrial Revolution and that kind of brought things to half centuries. And then, you know, to Hugo's point, it's now measured in days and weeks. How do you, how do you approach your investing given that sheer pace of, of innovation, of growth of technology, both for the companies you buy and also the potential competitors or, or as yet unknown competitors that might simply spring up. Uh, so hard. Uh, Howard Marks made comment. I've referenced it a few times. Um, I really respect him. I, he's, he, he, he deserves more notoriety and he writes, he's a bond investor, but he writes a lot of good stuff. He wrote probably 18 months, 24 months ago now that the pace of change is accelerating mm-hmm. and so it's hard you know you you could have you could make we're all crystal ball gazing right when it comes <laughs> to investing mm-hmm. and when it comes to when it comes to technology there was a time where you could look at perhaps like the big chip manufacturers or whatever and say mm-hmm. look they're going to be around for a, for a long time yet but things change uh, the the, ra- the rapidity of change is increasing mm-hmm. so i thought a really interesting example with this whole ai stuff is that Google, which is hard to think of a more deeply moded <laughs> technology advantaged company, yeah. overnight, the market just went, whoa. And it, you couldn't use the word Bing without being <laughs> yeah, laughed at. Exactly. Now, for yeah, those yeah. who don't know, Bing is Microsoft Search Engine. Like, who yeah, the hell uses yeah. Bing? Like, yeah. grandma, when she installs the default browser, that's who uses Bing. Yeah. No one else in the world uses Bing, right? But now they've got ChatGPT under their arm and they're like, we, we were seriously con- – now, I don't think this is going to happen in the case of Google, by the way. So I don't want to – it's easy to get off 
off tangent here, but my point is that we all of a sudden, the world started to very take seriously that Google might actually lose its dominant position in search mm. because of this technology that just like a month ago wasn't being discussed, was on no right, one's right, radar. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that is something that makes it very, very hard, very, very hard. Mm-hmm. So what's going to be the next innovation that completely obfuscates the current technology that you're investing in? Mm-hmm. So it has to be something where I, <laughs> I just feel that that's less likely but not impossible. So there's no way to protect against it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I how do you do- think about then from an investing perspective? I like – Technology products that get deeply embedded into the workflows of their customers. Right. So it becomes so critical that something doesn't have to be better. It has to be orders of magnitude better for me to even contemplate switching. The right. classic examples with accounting software. Um, it's like I use Zero because, you know, why wouldn't I? <laughs> um, <laughs> But if, if someone else came along and it's like, oh, this is a little bit cheaper and a little bit better, it's just too much of a hassle. I can't even change brokers because I'm so lazy. And I've got a million <laughs> plates spinning in the air and you want me to change my accounting software? Mm. And, and there are there are the software that I like is that kind of stuff. And I also like, I think when it comes to tech, the big things have been stitched up by the big players. You know, no one's disrupting the really big – well, I'm talking about both sides of my mouth. It's very difficult to disrupt the big players in the big areas of tech. <laughs> I really love the niche areas of tech where they're doing okay, technology yeah. that it's just sort of like the market is just way too it, – it might be a $100 billion market, but it's just too small for Google or Microsoft or Amazon or Apple to even bother with. It's like Even if we win and we win the whole market, <laughs> it's not worth doing. So there's literally four or five tiny little players around the world that are doing it. And they're so small today and the opportunity is so large and there is a structural industry-wide shift as to moving on to this new way of doing business mm-hmm. or this new uh, – uh, that, that that they can win that and only that and nothing else and still there's incredible upside potential. Um, I also like things too where I think where technology will change – this comes back to the AI, as you can tell, mate. I've, I'm not short of an opinion on, on this, but <laughs> I think where – there'll be a big bubble in AI, but there'll be legitimacy at it and I, yep. at its heart. And I think what you want to do is remember that AI can be pointed towards anything. Yeah. I've even had a little play around the show off the, me and the devs at, at Strawman. It's like, oh, we could do that. We can, we're not developing the large language model, mm-hmm. but we're just mm-hmm. off the shelf and pointing it at stuff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got a company with proprietary data, that's pretty cool, right? Like, that, like you... you the technology can change, but these things generally rely on good quality data. And if you own the data, I think that's a nice little thing to have as well. And more broadly, I just I just diversify, right? Because I I know that that things that are going to unfold in ways that are unpredictable. Yep. And I also know that these are the kind of games I play where it's so like, well, I only need one or two kingmakers and the rest can go to zero as far as I'm concerned because that that is how big the reward is. And I'm just not going to put it all, bet it all on black, you know, Wesley Snipes style. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just not going to do that because I know that no matter how high conviction it is, things can really change rapidly. So you spread it around a little bit, try and go in areas which are more difficult to disrupt and just just be hyper alert to, to new things that come along. And not that you're going to jump at every shadow because that's a sure way to not capture any <laughs> long-term multi-baggers, mm-hmm. but be alert to it. And yeah, that's, that's probably the short answer. That's the short answer. <laughs> That's the short answer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, hey, yeah, I, I can't add much more to you, so I'm going to do it very quickly. I, I don't think you need to be that. I don't think you need to approach it actually that much more differently because there's two things going on. The first is you need to work out the direction of the business, and then you need to work out whether the share price is reasonable for that business. And I think, you know, I mentioned the industrial revolution. You know, I've said before, you know, you, you build one steel mill, it works, and after 15 years, you say, you know, what, I might build a second one. Out of five years, it's built. Now, th- you build a third one in five years later than that. Eventually, in, de- in a century, you've got most of the steel mills in most of the areas in most of the country. But that's how long it takes. Now, these days happens much more quickly, which is fine. But so does so do the share prices. So, you know, because you couldn't scale a steel mill, there was no real massive, huge upside potential that was going to come and you know overwhelm the share price. So, I've seen tech fortunes made a loss in really short periods of time. So, a uh, quick one. I, I think you take the same approach. You still say, I think this is a 10-year winner. And if it's not after a year and a half, you sell it. And I don't mean that to sound flippant, but 
you know, we, we've said before, you buy to hold, not buy and hold regardless of the circumstances. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you, you look for the same things, you may have to be more visual, uh, vigilant to see them happening in, in effectively real time rather than every annual report with these get a little bit better. So customer uptake, sales growth, recurring revenue, all that stuff, you see that happening. That's probably what you're looking for. Um, and you probably should be a little more alert to it, particularly in those sort of industries where disruption can happen quickly. I will say in terms of your network effects question, mate, um, how do you quantify it? Firstly, I don't try and quantify it. And I know that probably, but you're a technologist, so maybe, maybe quantification and, and you know using the maths of it makes sense to you. Um, I think what you're looking for for me, you say, you say the incumbents versus the younger competitors. What you're really looking for is uh, continued growth and, and or um, decline. So Telstra was the was the only game in town until Optus turned up, and they they could only lose customers at that point. So you're looking for evidence that a company is losing customers or losing usage. Uh, a simple example, uh, you know, MySpace got absolutely trounced by Facebook, and Facebook, despite you know Insta, which it then bought, despite WhatsApp, despite you know WeChat, despite TikTok, Snapchat, insert others here, um, Threads, uh, Twitter. Is it, is it is it the is it the dominant sorry is it is it the massive growth business it was when it first took over MySpace? No, is it no. still really dominant despite the fact everyone laughs at only our grandparents use it? This is still a massive, massive, incredibly profitable business, and so you also write those things off at your peril, right? So, I think on the way through, if you see them taking more and more customers, you're in a good place. Um, I would personally, very very, you mentioned Google before, Ram. I would be very careful not to write off the incumbents too quickly Um, but i would look at the growth of the other guys and as they come up again take that seriously as well what you're looking for is momentum compound growth in use monthly average users daily average users active users should say um you know revenues all those things you're looking for you actually want to see that and as long as you're seeing that the price is reasonable you don't necessarily have to pick the winner or the only winner, right? You can kind of, you know, if you like TikTok's growth, then buy the shares, even if Facebook remains bigger than it for a long time. If more and more people keep using TikTok in larger and larger numbers, it tells you exactly what you need to know, which is this is a more relevant platform for more people more often. That generally is a good place. When it becomes less relevant, less frequently, then you're going to start to wonder whether, you know, it's it's jumped the shark. But in the meantime, I really wouldn't overthink it. And I wouldn't try and be too active. I guess that's our last thing. Don't over. Think it, don't be overactive, don't try and second guess every zig and zag. Be directionally right for long enough is probably my best idea. Yep. And and I'll just I finish up by saying that what will happen is even if you're right in all of your process, is that the share price is not going to to reflect the fundamentals <laughs> accurately. So so here's what I think about a lot. So if I owned a share um, and it goes sideways for three years, mm. does nothing. Yeah. And then it doubles on the fourth year. My compound annual growth rate is nineteen <laughs> percent right. per annum. Exactly. Now, yeah. on on the day before it doubles, and that's what happens. Like just going back to that initial quote that the listener threw at us. See that that you know just nothing, and then all of a sudden, which yeah, is, that's how it tends to go in this kind of space. And what am I missing? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Nothing's happening. And like, oh my, I have underperformed the market for four years, and then bam, I'm I'm, I'm massively out mm-hmm. in front. That is what to is that even when every metric you're looking at is going right, don't you'll, you'll be hitting the, your head against the wall going, what am I missing? Why is the market not? <laughs> Stay true to yourself because it, it will eventually come. Um, and and then you've just got to be disciplined enough not to be so tempted and relieved to sell <laughs> and, and like an easy profit. Yeah. That's so, the whole that's other so discussion. totally it. So totally yeah. it. Just, yeah, look, love innovation. Follow it with in- interest. Divorce the excitable consumer. And, and for you, probably Hugo Technologist, part of your brain from the long-term investor brain because these things yeah i mean even amazon even google i mean how you know how quickly are fortunes really tesla went nowhere for five years facebook i mean it, you know it'll happen nvidia's probably been the one that's really gone even then you've had you've had five seven ten years to get onto a business yeah, stock that's you can be late yeah. you can be late on the quote unquote late and still do extraordinarily well yeah the people who do the best on i don't know pick example i'll go with facebook because you mentioned it mm-hmm. with the people in the dorm room with mark right like yeah. they they did insanely well um but the people who waited until it was listed on a public market missed mm-hmm. out on remember it listed at a p of 100 that's what it's right 
So, and you still, and like a couple of years later, I think you're up 200% or something. I haven't looked at it since and, and for a long time. But my point is, yeah. is that when, when you have ones with incredibly entrenched positions, which are executing well with long runways, mm-hmm. you can be late and still do. In fact, from a risk reward proposition, it's actually a better investment. On that note, I think it's time we let our listeners enjoy the rest of their Sundays. Now they know what straw man is and they've heard us chat and rant. Thank you for the opportunity. And we, and we got through two whole questions, maybe no, three. About, about, about four or five, I think. Oh, wow. We'll okay, say. okay. Well, maybe four. Uh, <laughs> send us in your questions, though, please. Send us the questions. You know how to get in touch with us. Uh, fool, uh, sorry, info at fool.com.au. Follow Andrew on Twitter. Yes, I'm going to keep calling Twitter, Andrew. Uh, at Sage underscore Simeon at Strawman Invest. You can get to me on Twitter or Insta or Threads at TMF Scott P or The Motley Fool AU and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Scott Phillips money. Send us your questions, send us your comments. We love them and we've got plenty to get through next time we meet. Well, not next time. Next time is Friday, but next Sunday we'll do our mailbag again. Until Friday, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.